Welcome back to another episode of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined on the phone, back from Rio, live from uh, Texas, Nick Kruger. Nick, how, how good does it feel back to be stateside? As a doctor and a woman, I am very excited. Uh, I didn't have that moment where I got out of the plane and kissed the ground, but I sure was happy uh, to get back into the great state of Texas. <laughs> Boy, not only did you come back to the U.S., you got to go straight to Texas. So That's right. Best country in the Maybe. country. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll tell some stories from Rio later. We're going to jump right into the recruiting as we've been gone for a while. Uh, with you being in Texas whatnot, we, we lost our producer, Dave Barry, filled in one week, but uh, he had enough of Rob Cassidy's audio quality, and he said, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, anyway, we're back. Biggest story of the week this week so far, Michigan losing three recruits, all of them four stars or higher, uh, three guys who had been committed, two of them actually from the state of Georgia. Now, Nick, we know you've been off the radar, so I'll talk about this a little bit. One of the guys, Aubrey Solomon, uh, four-star defensive tackle, had just done an interview with me last week at the Corky Kell Classic, where I was famously uh, there by myself. And uh, he, <laughs> that's an inside joke, he, uh, he, told, uh, he told me, Jim Harbaugh is a celebrity, I love Michigan, this, that, and a third. And then, boom, cut to five days later, he decommits. So uh, the story was, he was out there reported, uh, that Michigan had sent him a letter thanking him for going to an event he didn't even attend. And they spelled his name wrong. They spelled his mom's name wrong. And then I think he kind of used that. I kind of got the attention as what was the biggest story. But you and I both know you were you used to live here with me uh, in Atlanta. These kids rarely leave the southeast to go, especially that far away from to Michigan, uh, especially if they have other big-time offers. And I think that was kind of the straw that, that broke the camel's back. Uh, a couple other guys they lost were 2018 commits, both four stars. And then once again with those guys, if they commit more than a year before signing day, does it really mean a whole lot? So uh, from the outside looking at what was your take on Michigan's uh, bad week this week? Well, first and foremost, you can't you can't misspell mom's name, especially for a kid in the southeast. That's a cardinal sin. You might be able to get away with misspelling his name because you know kids got crazy names, but when you mess with mom's name, forget about it. You know, so that was probably <laughs> that was probably the number one misstep. But when you talk about Michigan, I mean, even right now, as it sits with those decommitments, they still have a top ten recruiting class uh, in in our rankings right now. And as we know, Harbaugh is an extremely aggressive recruiter. He was coming down doing the satellite camps. They send out a ton of offers to a ton of kids. You know that I mean, obviously, you don't want to lose four-star commitments if you can't help it. But you know they've got they've definitely got options on options. And and for a guy as proactive as John Harbaugh and and his staff, um, you know, to go Jim out there, Harbaugh. Or Jim Harbaugh, yeah, right, Harbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> one of those two Mike Harbaugh uh, and his staff to go out there and, and be in communication with kids and you know be as proactive as, as he is and uh, you know I, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that they're not losing a ton of sleep over it well it's interesting because uh, you know it gives us a window into what happens at these schools Jim Harbaugh is not sitting down writing these letters you know what I mean he's not the one that misspelled it probably some poor intern or whatever in the recruiting office who's now been fired and shamed off of campus um so it it's a bummer that that was kind of what happened but like I said I think he was really looking around I think Michigan does have plenty of options we have actually have an article up on the site uh that went up on Thursday which is the day we're recording this where we look at some of the other options they have uh, now that things are opened up in terms of Solomon I think you know you look at schools like 
Georgia, Alabama, uh, Florida State as kind of the early favorites for him now that he's back on the market. And boy, his mom, he let it be known that his mom is now in the driver's seat of his recruitment. So uh, like you said, you better get that name right if you're going to be one of those schools trying to get back in the mix for him. Uh, while you were gone, Nick, we updated the rankings. Uh, actually, I actually had two rankings meetings while you were in uh, <laughs> the great uh, country of Brazil. And we have a new number one player. You came home to find out that Najee Harris had become the number one overall player. What was your reaction? Surprise? I mean, uh, you know, I really obviously I love Harris as a player, but he overtook Marvin Wilson, a Texas player. So what was your thoughts on that? No, I, I, w- I wouldn't have disagreed with that at all. I think after after we had a chance to see him in person at the five-star challenge uh, in June, you know, he really, I mean, when you, when you take, all you have to do is just take a look at him. And when you talk about a guy that passes the eye test, I mean, what, what position do you feel outside of a, outside of a lineman position? Could this guy not play if he wanted to, you know, he looks like a million bucks. You know, I think, I think he's, he's going to be a really nice weapon for Alabama. They're going to be able to use him in a, in a million different ways if they wanted to. Uh, Marvin, on the other hand, you know, I mean, he's, he's still been good. He's, he was good at the opening. He was good at the five-star challenge. And, and, uh, but the consistency when you, when you hold Najee and Marvin side by side, you know, and take a look at each of their performances within their positions and what they were asked to do. I think Najee was, had the more successful summer and, and, um, Marvin is, is, is the same story. He's going to be a great pickup for whatever school he ends up going to. And a lot of the things that we had written about him uh, in our reactions to moving him in the rankings hold true. He's got a high motor. He's really strong, you know, and he's, he's a great, a great personality. He's going to be a great fit in, in whatever locker room that he goes to. But, um, you know, he's still number two in the country. I mean, he's still, he's still in the conversation and he plays, he plays at a school in Houston where he's going to have an opportunity to make a ton of big plays, uh, you know, going going to the uh, the private school that he goes to at Episcopal. Uh, so I'm sure his film is going to be eye popping this season, and he and he's definitely a high motivation guy. So this is going to be something that he's going to look, uh, you know, turn to and and be fueled by it rather than sulk about it. So you know, I think Marvin Wilson is still going to have a chance to to rebound and come back and and contend for that number one spot next time around. Yeah, I just don't personally. I don't think it's a great year at uh, on the defensive line. I mean, if you compare Marvin to some of the guys we even had last year, even someone like Derek Brown, who I know you were never a big fan of, <laughs> who ended up going to Auburn. I I just don't know if you put Marvin in that class with some of those guys from last year, if he would be be the top guy in that group. So you know, the talent fluctuates from year to year. Uh, Marvin did win the MVP at the five star challenge, but. You know, honestly, as I was, that was my call. I mean, we were really scrambling, and he was kind of the guy who who won it by default based on the coach's opinion. But even any of them didn't have a definitive, you know, far and away winner like we did with the offensive well, line. Well, what's what's good about Marvin too, though, is every every event that we've seen him at, even though he comes into the camp knowing he's the top guy, and he always plays like he has something to prove, and he'll always end up taking a ton of reps. So it's easier to say, like, ah, you know, it's easier to point out the deficiencies sometimes that you see in his game or the inconsistencies because he's taking so many more reps than other kids that we've seen come in with, um, you know, I don't know, maybe higher opinions of themselves or, you know, expectations. So, um, you know, but he makes himself a target, but he embraces it. And, and I think, I truly think that he is a guy that's motivated to stay, you know, at the top of his game whenever possible. Yeah. He did carry our team to a victory in the lineman challenge when uh, several other not as tough players uh, opted out with injury with injuries, uh, <laughs> but that's all. We don't want to talk about how their rankings uh, shook out. 
Um, but we, we get back, getting back to Najee, it'll be interesting to see if he ends up at Alabama. I think he's a special talent. I know some people have some concerns. Does he love football? Which, you know, I, I think that's kind of a stupid talking point anyway. How do we know? if it, What do you mean, does he love football? You know what I mean? He's awesome. I know that. How, how can you determine if a kid loves football or not? I, I got news for you. I did not love football in high school playing it, and now look at me, you know? Well, uh, whatever whatever school he ends up going to and, you know, his future from, from there on, I mean, he's he's going to love football a lot because he's going to be a superstar if he, you know, continues down the path that he's going, so. All right, so uh, this past week, a huge news story for Ohio State uh, as they picked up commitments from uh, Trevon Grimes and Tajon Lindsey, two of the top wide receivers in the country, I think two of the top 30 overall players in the country. And uh, I think both of them had been expected to go there for a while. But, uh, you know, it's a big deal. I mean, Grimes is a guy that that our boss, Mike Farrell, likes to compare favorably to guys like Julio Jones and A.J. Green, which is really saying something. Tyjon Lindsay is a a short little, uh, you know, slot receiver type who compares to, in my opinion, somebody like Sam Bruce, although we have him ranked way higher than Sam was for some reason. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting how we have such a debate over Lindsay being a five star, where I felt like Sam was just as productive. Uh, but anyway, the the uh, the Buckeyes it's it's a huge victory. Those are two out of state guys. Urban Meyer just seems to be picking people now, and a lot of people are talking. Can they push for number one? What do, what do, what's your take? I mean, uh, how do you see these two fitting in, and how how important was this for them to kind of? seal up uh these two huge names that's a big win for ohio state i mean they and they're really i i think my perception of of the ohio state program and their offense really took off uh this past season when you know when you move a quarterback to wide receiver and he ends up being a you know a a big time nfl draft pick uh i think the kids see that and say like hey you know we can have we can have success in this offense and for two guys like grimes and Lindsay to come in uh those guys are definitely going to be able to contribute and it's and it's a great uh, one-two punch for them, you know, just uh, just talking about those two specifically, you've got Grimes, who's a great perimeter guy on the outside, can, you know, obviously is very successful running deep routes, you have, um, you know, can go up and win jump balls, you have uh, Lindsay, who you line up in the slot, like you said, one of the shiftiest guys uh, that we've had a chance to see play in a, in a game sort of atmosphere, and, you know, super fast as well, so, you know, putting those two guys on the field really gives them options offensively. And then you look at their class as a whole, uh, just looking at the new rankings release. I'm looking at it right now. You know, when you add Grimes, you go down the list, Josh Myers at number 14, Sean Wade at number 17, Wyatt Davis at number 18. I mean, they're putting uh, a ton of big name guys into this class, all highly ranked guys too. So Ohio State fans really got to be, you know, looking their chops at the prospects of the future. Yeah. And they're recruiting nationally too. A lot of those guys you mentioned, you know, Josh Myers is a local kid, but, you know, California, Florida, you know, Urban getting it done on the road. And I think I think it's to the point now where we saw it with Emory Jones. We saw it with Benjamin Victor last year. When Urban personally picks up the phone and gets it, gets on the phone with the kid, it, it makes him stop their whole process. It's just an interesting approach that he's taking. I know he talked to Xavier McKinney, who's a former Alabama commit, a top 100 defensive back who – you know, seem to be down to Clemson, Georgia, a few other options. And then he tells me, I talked to Urban Meyer on the phone tonight. I'm taking an official visit to Ohio State just like that. So 
the old call of Urban, uh, you know, is, is very strong and he's really recruiting at a high level. And that's, of course, what led to so much success uh, at Florida. And then the, the early success he had at Ohio State, they're kind of re, they're to reloading stage, not rebuilding. Um yeah, you remember that you conversation he had with Isaiah Pryor when he committed? How excited Isaiah Pryor was! <laughs> <laughs> maybe you could maybe you could add in some of that. Maybe you could add in some of that audio. Listen, yeah, listening right. to Urban Meyer's conversation, I mean, he was he was really he was really trying to stimulate conversation there. Isaiah Pryor must have been a little starstruck or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe he takes different approaches with different types of uh, personalities. <laughs> would, be, would be my guess. Um, while you were gone, we did a couple of uh, commitment videos. You know that Grimes and Lindsay actually did one of them playing dodgeball, which uh, I guess in production quality, or I would give it a high. I would give it high marks. I don't know about. I thought it was you know kind of corny, but uh, that's me. I'm old <laughs> man. You know, get off my lawn. Uh, but we did some. We did one with five star AJ Terrell, who committed to Clemson. Uh, AJ is a guy that. Uh, I've been tracking very closely over the past year. You know, he went from being a three-star wide receiver where we had had him ranked uh, early in the process to now he's a five-star cornerback. I think he's the number 11 player in the country. A lot of uh, controversy over his ranking, especially here in the state of Georgia, because we have him ranked a lot higher than than other people. But uh, guess what? That's because we actually get south of I-20 uh, in the city and go go out and watch people play. Uh, you know, Terrell's a, a really impressive uh, talent. I mean, six foot two. He was he ran the fastest time in our ill speed competition in the entire country, an event that was dominated by guys who were five eight. You know, and then he's out there at six two, putting on a show. So it was it was interesting. We uh, Dave Barry, our other videoographer, flew out from uh, San Diego or California, wherever he lives, meet me in Temecula, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, we had the whole family, we took him down to the I Dare You offices with our friend Glenn Ford, we were there till about one in the morning trying to film this thing, uh, you know, because he play, actually played in a game that night, the coach kept him from us from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m., so by the time we got to the south side of town and, and did everything, uh, we filmed it at, at about 1 a.m., and, you know, AJ's a quiet kid, but the video came out well. I think Clemson was really excited, and, you know, Clemson's just killing it as well. We mentioned Ohio State. Uh, Clemson's now got one of the top classes in the country. I'm not sure where exactly they are on the team rankings. I think easily top 10. Uh, but they have several big names still on the market, and I and I think they're in a position where Dabo Sweeney and company, they're, they're getting these guys from Atlanta. You know, this is the reason Kirby Smart was brought into Georgia to maybe close the gap on some of these guys that were getting away. And so far, uh, Clemson hasn't, hasn't skipped a beat in terms of stealing talent out of Georgia. Yeah. And when you look at, uh, guys like Terrell and Lee Anthony Williams, uh, that we saw commit earlier, you know, that's a good, that's a good one to punch out of the Atlanta area for the secondary uh, for Clemson, and you know they're going to get work with the offense that they have out there. People trying to keep up with them, uh, points wise. But you know, I think I think uh, when I when I was out before I departed and moved over here to Texas, and I went out to go see uh, uh, I, when I shot Lee Anthony's commitment announcement video. Actually, part of that was when he was training with a friend of the podcast, Cam Newton, <laughs> with his uh, seven on team, and both him and Terrell were out there at the same time. So. You know, I'm sure there's some relationship there that they were, you know, making having some discussions. Terrell's a big kid too. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna bring uh, 
He, I, I can't believe I'm looking. We have him listed at six two one seventy. I can't believe he's that light. I feel like he's. Uh, my memory serves like he's much, much bigger than that. Probably a guy that you can work around in a couple different positions in the secondary. And you know, Clemson's defense has really been, uh, you know, reputation-wise, has been matching its offense here the past couple of seasons. So, uh, Clemson fans got to be real excited with the haul that they're getting out of out of uh, your neck of the woods. Yeah, and he, you know, he'll help fill in for a former friend of the podcast, Mackenzie Alexander, who. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we need to remind Clemson fans. I was the only one that famously picked him to uh, commit to Clemson on signing day that year, uh, despite our friend Adam Fisher going with Tom Lemming's pick of uh, Auburn in the Naples Daily News, our former employer. So I was doing. Uh, uh, we all know how that. You know, out. you know these files that we've been writing this week of top newcomers. Uh, I was I was looking through the through the list of guys for Iowa State. Guess who's making an appearance at Iowa State next season? Who? Our friend McEnroe Alexander. Wow! Yeah, transferring in there. I think it was Iowa State. I'm pretty sure. I, I I was begging. I was begging Paul Clark from Cyclone Report. I was like, let me let me make McEnroe the top newcomer for Iowa State, just so I could <laughs> get, <laughs> cash in one last time on our Southwest Florida connection there. But you know, we went somewhere else. Which you'll have to you'll have to read the story to find out who we actually picked. Boy, I got to do some tease. research on McEnroe. I just assumed he was at USF with uh, every other player we covered in high school <laughs> during our four-year window at uh, down in Southwest Florida when Nick and I used to work there. Uh, pretty much every guy went to USF uh, or ended up at USF somehow uh, via transfer. But uh, also, also real quick, this doesn't apply to anyone who's listening, Kurt Benkert, I believe is his name, uh, was the quarterback at Cape, up in Cape Coral uh, people hyped him up. We were down there. He actually was named the starter at Virginia this week. So, boy, the wow. two three nine were really stepping up. Um, <laughs> this week, uh, actually, I started going to games. I've already, but believe it or not, Nick, I'm sure you're glad you missed this. I've already been to 14 games this season <laughs> in, in a matter of uh, in a matter of just two short weeks. Uh, you know, usually you would be there with me, uh, standing out in the sun and whatnot for for. Uh, 15 to 17 hours of the day must have been like christmas for you <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just like christmas and i was uh i was one of the reindeer pulling pulling the sled all around the world um <laughs> so you know we want to talk about the importance of uh, seeing these guys in person you know really uh, people kind of uh debate this especially in live games because you may go see a guy and he's not playing against anybody else. Uh, both of us happen to be in talent rich areas where, you know, I, I went to a game, uh, Roswell against, uh, a Buford where, I mean, I had 30 division one prospects on the field. And of course, you know, IMG is coming to town this weekend. It's a similar situation. Uh, we know you're going out to see some games this weekend. Give us a, give us a look at who you're going to see. And then what do you think, what do you take from these, uh, these live games that you may, you know, put more emphasis on even if a guy's not facing maybe top tier competition. Well, for me, I mean, me personally, uh, in my my situation, obviously, just just having moved to Texas here in May, uh, I'm still playing uh, not not really catch up so much, but I mean, there's still a lot of guys that I haven't had the opportunity to see in person, and guys that uh, we've had ranked uh, that had you know little to no um, 
you know, exp exposure that we've seen, we've seen personally, other than, you know, what we've been able to tell from their film. So tonight, uh, we're recording this on a Thursday, I'm going to go see uh, Legarian Carson, who's a guy that we've had, I, I don't know if he made it ever cracked it into the top 100. Right now, he's still a top 150 player in our rankings. And he's been committed to Texas for some time. And, you know, just a huge, strong defensive end from what we can tell. Um, you know, but there's, a, there's a difference to seeing a, a kid in person and in pads, and, uh, you know, just seeing the level of dominance uh, that he displays on a football field. Because, you know, when you go to these camp atmospheres, sometimes the motivations level uh, changes from player to player and what's going on in the one-on-one -on -one reps and just the atmosphere of the, you know, the, the kids around him and the coaches and things like that. In a football game, it's very clear, like, you're, you're, it's a, you know, things are on the line for these kids because, you know, they take, even though the kids that we cover are all, uh, have high division one aspirations and have been recruited nationally in some cases or you know they're still very very motivated to win football games at the high school level and it's a different sort of mentality for these kids uh coming in on on a well in this case a thursday night uh you know then we'll see on like a saturday afternoon after they've been in position drills for four hours before we get into the the one-on-one -on -one things you know so i'm very excited to see Lagarian in person because you just you know, you just get a different feel for a kid when you see him in the cleats, pads, and helmet. It's an entirely different perception of, uh, you know, what you see from a kid as a football player uh, than once you see him in, you know, just just in sh uh, compression shorts and a, you know, in a in a shirt or whatever. So, um, you know, so I'm excited to see him. There's some other guys that I'm seeing this weekend. Jalen Rager is a guy that's really been tearing things up this summer uh, as a as a highly ranked wide receiver. He's been committed to Oklahoma, so I'm going to go see him on Friday night. I have yet to see him in person. Uh, he's been to a couple of camps, but none that we've been able to attend. Uh, had a pretty strong showing at the opening. Uh, and then on Saturday afternoon, uh, among other games, I, I might go see a few more. But on Saturday, I'm, uh, you know, the headliner for me as of right now is uh, to go see Damian Miller, who's a receiver committed to Texas. And, and some of these guys, you know, we've seen uh, at camps or other events, but it's been, um, you know, in some cases more than a year. Uh, since, since we've had a chance to check in with them and see them in person. So, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's extra valuable. We only have two more ranking cycles left. One of them comes at the end of this season. Um, you know, and these early games are important for you seeing 14 of them before kids start picking up injuries or something. At least you get a chance to see them play in pads and play in a game atmosphere. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I went to all these games and I was, uh, you know, figuring generally this weekend, the second weekend of the season up here in Georgia is when the teams from Florida come up and we get the old, uh, the old uh, border war over at that stadium <laughs> with the horrible lighting in uh, DeKalb County, which is where I live. Uh, Halliford, Halliford Stadium, anyway, uh, that's not happening this year. And I really was scraping to find a game to go to on Friday night. I mean, I just, not a lot of good matchups. Surprisingly, the best game appears to be on Saturday with Grayson against IMG and I really don't want to go to that game uh, because it's on TV and I can watch it on TV anyway. But, uh, you know, in person, I, I do put stock in it. I think it, it serves a purpose. I, you know, some of the other guys uh, that do our job are like, Oh, it doesn't do me any good. But, you know, no, no matter what game I go to, there's several division one or, you know, FCS players on the field. It's like, you know, I'm not going to see a guy that, there's only a few players that maybe are from remote areas of Georgia where you might go see a game and they're the only guy who's going to play college football on the field. And I think the same can be said for Texas. So uh, I'm in favor of keeping keeping us out watching these games. I do want to – obviously, I'm enjoying spending time at home, so I'm trying to stay local. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think uh, they do serve a purpose in the recruiting world. So 
that, that about wraps up our recruiting talk for the week. But Nick, we got to hear about uh, Rio. How was it? Well, you got one memorable story or something that uh, really stuck out to you from your time down there? Uh, well, you know, there's a, there was a lot made about the conditions out there, a lot of concerns about the stability of the venues and the security and stuff. I mean, it, it's really crazy to be in a place where, um, you know, when, when you go to this is this is the second Olympics that I've been to. And both both times, uh, you know, everything is behind fences <laughs> and uh, steel, you know, steel cages. It seems like they try they really try to uh, control uh, pedestrian and traffic flow as much as they can. Rio is a very cool place. Uh, it's a very diverse place and and uh, interesting to interesting to see in person. Like I would definitely go back to Rio on a vacation for like a week, but spending three weeks there is a, is a completely different story. And uh, when you're there for the Olympics, it's really crazy to see all the soldiers with the automatic rifles and the military trucks and stuff, you know, on standby at their posts. Um, I guess that makes you feel better, but at the same time, like you have to remember that they're there for a reason too. So. Um, you know, the Olympics is a real unique experience too, when you're, especially when you're in a country that, you know, was at best apathetic towards them in a lot of cases. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of people didn't want them there to begin with. And, you know, talking about the problems that it created in Rio is a whole different podcast for a different (laughs) subject matter. But, um, you know, I guess the one thing that I remember most is when it would rain, the water level would rise and all the stagnant water that is carrying like all the sewage and refuse that they just pour into the public water system over there in Brazil really comes to the top of the surface. And there is no place, uh, there's no place that's safe from that aroma, uh, you know, when the rain comes through. But uh, generally though, I mean, the weather was beautiful. The mosquitoes weren't as bad as everybody was thinking they were going to be. You know, security wasn't an issue for me, just transportation, and uh, the smell of the place was was really, you know, something you had to deal with. But other than that, you know, I I had a good time. Other than the fact that it was a lot of work and uh, you know, no no transitionary period before I have to come back home and jump right into football season here. Boy, geez, yeah. The uh, I did watch a, a special on uh, Rio on uh, Real Sports on HBO, and boy, yeah, there was a <laughs> it was that sewage situation, which was supposed to be cleaned up before the Olympics got there just never unfortunately never happened so yeah that was definitely not a an attractive sight uh I can imagine but we're glad to have you back now it's time uh for everyone's favorite segment grants and recommendations we're back better than ever yes uh, yes did you <laughs> hopefully we'll try not to recommend the same thing two weeks in a row which uh Rob Cassidy had no problem doing with stranger things uh the week that that's how we can make fun of him this week because we know he's not going to listen to the show um (laughs) (laughs) so so, uh no problem there uh first i guess uh do you want me to start you got you got something i'm sure you got plenty of complaints queued up no i i don't know man i've been living in a bubble for the past couple of weeks why don't you why don't you get me warmed up here and we'll see if i can piggyback well, you know, first I'll start with a with a recommendation. Uh, I don't know if I've recommended this on the show before. Right after I made fun of Rob, I've been I've been catching up with the show uh, review, which I know I've recommended to you personally. Uh, you know, I've been watching season two on Hulu. It's a show where this uh, it's a it's a comedy type show where uh, this guy has a fake TV show or it's a scripted show and he reviews life experiences, uh, mm-hmm. and it just gets more and more ridiculous. It's actually kind of a 
a serialized show where, you know, the, the bad decision he makes in one episode spills over further and further. As just has Andrew Daly as a star. You probably are thinking, who's Andrew Daly? When you see him, you'll know who it is. And uh, it's a very funny show. I really enjoy it. I'm about done, like I said, about done with season two. And I think season three will probably be on TV here sometime soon. Now, you, you give me a, you give us a recommendation, then I'll find something to complain about, I guess. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I will say this. One of the first things that I did when I came home uh, is re-up my NFL Field Pass subscription, which, uh, again, I also know that I've uh, recommended to you. First of all, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of online streaming sports subscriptions because the baseball one is good. You know, the Major League Soccer one is good. For anybody that plays fantasy football, as we know that it's getting, you know, real close to all those uh, fantasy drafts and, you know, things of that nature for people. It's a great tool because uh, you get to pretend like you're a, a joker like me and Woody that goes back and watches the film because not only do you get to watch uh, the broadcast versions of games DVR, you also get the coach's film perspective where they show you two shots of every single play minus the commentary, minus all the frills and production stuff. You just get to watch the film yourself, watch your favorite players. You know, it's really a good, uh, a good tool for, for people that like to play fantasy, especially uh, that want to zero in on guys that they think, you know, might be trying to pick up or uh, anything like that on the waiver wire. And uh, you can watch all that stuff. The only catch is you have to watch that stuff after the games are played. So whereas NFL Direct Ticket, you watch it live and you pay twice as much, whatever the case is. Uh, I opt to go for the field pass because we're usually so busy and I can't watch games live anyway. Yeah, and we know you like the old All-22. Speaking of which, are we going to do the uh, Rivals Fantasy League? I think you're the commish there. Are you going to get it fired back up? Uh, you know, boy, you you want to talk about a rant portion. <laughs> <laughs> we could rant about the Rivals Fantasy Football League uh, ad nauseum here every podcast if we wanted to. I don't know. We're going to have to take a look at that. I know Adam Gorney has all kinds of uh, innovative ideas for side bets and uh, money transferring situations. Uh, oh, maybe I'm not supposed nah. to say that we do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not doing any innovations. We're, if we're going to play the league, it's going to be a fantasy league. Well, here's oh, my by, rant. You know, oh, you by know, the way, I, 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 I appreciate going. I know you're what you're going to say here, but let me, let me won, just get this I out. won last week. That's yeah, it. Okay. Last All right. Week. Great job. You're, you're <laughs> fantastic. You know, I won the first year that we did it. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say anything about that. But, um, but anyway, so. So Gorney goes, uh, you know, Gorney, Gorney has all kinds of ideas for side bets and different things that we can do to improve the league. But here's the deal. Nobody in our, none of our coworkers want to do any trades. There's still only ever been one trade in two years, the, the past two years that we've done the fantasy league. And it was between me and Derek Sampson, the only trade. So we got to, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to get into this, we got to, we got to zap some life back into the, into the process. I feel like. Well, I don't have a, pro you know, whatever. You know I'm the king of the waiver wire. I don't need to. I, I actually have tried to trade several times. I think there's a few issues with, with any fantasy football platform uh, with the way they notify you of potential trades. I think, you know, a lot of that stuff gets lost in the shuffle and you end up missing out on uh, stuff. So anyway, I'd like to play fantasy football. Uh, that's the only league I'm in is I famously sold my franchise in another league I'd been in for a long time to some guy who really wanted to get in. I made him buy my spot in the league for me, uh, which was uh, quite a move, <laughs> quite a move on my part. Big shout to uh, Paco, uh, who was the guy who, uh, <laughs> who bought me out of the league. My complaint, Way to step up, Paco. Yeah, my complaint has to do with uh, high school football, believe it or not, Nick. And you I know, know you've heard me complain about this in real life. 
There's way too many people on the sidelines at these games. Man. Oh my I mean, gosh! Wow, it is. I should I should have thought about this. It's out of control. I mean, it's to the point now where you're at a game, and it's shoulder to shoulder, basically all 120 yards of the field. You know, from end zone, end of the end zone, end of the end zone. You've got all kinds of parents down there taking photos, team photographers. Which, hey, guess what? That's fine. But then we've got, you know, nine little kids being ball boys. We've got families. I mean, I was on the field at the game last Friday, and there was a girl who couldn't have been older than five who's standing four yards out of bounds with her back to the field looking at her phone. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, something really bad's going to happen to somebody who's looking at their phone, not paying attention on the sideline, and they're going to get hit and run over, and it's going to be a serious injury. There's just there's way too many people at these games JV players, I mean, little kids from the middle school, whoever, we've got to clean it up because I think an accident's coming your way. And not to mention for, for your purposes and recently mine, we're trying to shoot videos, take photos, stuff like that. And we're, people are jumping in the way. We're missing stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, the number of times that uh, I've panned right to follow a, a long touchdown run only to have the shot ruined at the moment of truth by you know, four jabronis that used to play there 10 years ago, leaning in onto the field, you know, I, I mean, really, really frustrating. <laughs> um, fortunately, in Texas, the stadiums are a much more uh, luxurious situation than a lot of the ones that you go to in podunk, you know, small towns outside of Atlanta. Uh, here, you know, every, every stadium is at minimum a, a $20 million investment uh, with security <laughs> staffs and luxury boxes. So, I'm looking forward to my field well, access that's even there. More, that's even more of a problem for me because we all know I have a hell of a time getting into games wherever I go right. uh, yeah. with with any type of security guard at any place in all of America wants to stop me and ask what I'm doing there and why I'm there. And wait a minute, we didn't know anything about media. What media? Media still has to pay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the amount of the amount of incidents that that happens. Of course, you know everyone will say, "Hey, Woody, that's a you problem. That's not a them problem." But uh, you know, yeah. Well, if you I tried to look halfway as professional before you showed up to a place, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe I should walk around with chew in my mouth like some of the other uh, <laughs> the other recruiting analysts. Who comes. <laughs> you know, you guys ever heard of a tobacco-free zone? I mean, it says it right there on the sign. Yet. <laughs> Half the coaches and half the media have a dip in spitting tobacco on the field where people are going to be rolling around, you know. Anyway, that's a whole other rant for another day. So uh, that wraps it up. Big shout to uh, M. Deuce, who, by the way, produced uh, both of the songs we used in commitment videos this past week. You can find him on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash m-deuce. And you can find me and Nick on Twitter, at Rivals Woody, at Rivals Krug City. And uh, we'll be back with another episode next week, hopefully with uh, Rob Cassidy back in the mix with us as well. 